Are we live? Awesome. <laughs> Welcome back to SwitchCast Live. I am your host, Doug Tappet, and SwitchCast is the podcast where we seek to educate, edify, and entertain you on the drive of your life. Tonight, I think it's going to be a lot more entertainment than edification as we're talking mostly Cannonball as my co-host tonight is also my co-driver, or rather I'm his co-driver, Arnie Toman. Mr. Cannonball in the house. Uh, Cannonball record setter with me of 2725 and 2539 and owner of Cannonball Garage and uh, co-founder of AMS Performance, all around automotive expert and true car guy. And uh, Arnie is a second offender, repeat offender on SwitchCast, but last time we Man, we barely scratched the surface of Arnie's experiences and knowledge, so we're going to try again to get into uh, some fun topics and, and uh, have fun with everybody. So, I don't know if I can live up to all that. <laughs> don't I'll do worry. my best. You will. I sell myself harder than that, and I, I'm nowhere near the, the level of, uh, that, that you are. So um, uh, people are not getting their money's worth with, with me, so... <laughs> Uh, anyway, so if you're watching live on uh, YouTube, Facebook, or TikTok, we appreciate you being here with us. Feel free to throw your questions into the comment flow, and uh, Tyler and or Ethan will get those over to us, and we're going to look forward to just having a really fun evening tonight. Um, so, Arnie, to start out, uh, give us a, a background for those of you, for those people watching who don't know you or who weren't uh, tuned into the last episode. Just give us a quick overview of, of what you do and kind of why you're here. Well, um, I'm a big Cannonball fan. Obviously, we met uh, through Ed Bullion on VinWiki and decided to team up. We uh, broke a couple cannonball records together. No big deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, my automotive experience, I've always been into cars. Um, I guess my first big endeavor was AMS Performance. Uh, started that with my buddy Martin in 2001. What is AMS Performance? It is a big deal for those that know, but oh, yeah. for those oh, yeah, that I don't. Guess, yes, I, I, I just assume people know uh, for what just stupid reasons. Um, <laughs> AMS Performance, we started in uh, 2001. It was primarily mid Mitsubishi uh, driven, uh, the Evos, Eagle Talons, that kind of stuff. We got into the Nissan GTR. Uh, we are most famous for uh, breaking and holding records in the quarter mile and half mile and now time you hold records in the 2,800 mile. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I live my life 2,800 miles at a time now. <laughs> yes. So, um, so yeah, I ran that out through uh, 2016, uh, decided to sell my shares of it, um, mainly for one of the topics we're going to talk about tonight, um, and took a couple years off, uh, took care of my aunt and my father when their faith, health was failing, and then uh, kind of went a little crazy, started a whole bunch of companies and things. <laughs> um, but right now, uh, yeah. my, my main gig is Cannonball Garage. We work, uh, we specialize in McLarens. Job security. Um, yes, it's a, it's a British supercar. Yes, that is true. Um, what do you say? They're not as bad as people think, but they're pretty make bad. Them, people make them out to be absolutely hor horrible. For a British car, it's actually not too bad. That's not saying it's great. What what's the what's the worst McLaren, and what's the best McLaren? Uh, F one excluded. You know, uh, modern. MP4, Modern era. MP four twelve C. Rough. Is the worst one. Rough. Which makes sense because that was their first. 
yeah, you mass know, you got, production. Right, part. exactly. So I, d- I don't really even you know hold that against. They're a small company. You know, they're not going to have the quality. And I, I'll tell you, every supercar is kind of a piece of junk. Really, they're all hand built. You can't expect uh, Toyota Camry quality. Right. From any supercar. Now, the best supercar, I'd have to say, is I mean, prob- Lexus LFA is Toyota Camry quality. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, yes, maybe, <laughs> maybe that. I don't know much about the LFA, but, uh, you know, probably what's the most reliable, you know, exotic car, R8 or Porsche, uh, you know, above everything, R- R8, and then it just goes down from there, Lamborghini and McLaren. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean. What's the best modern McLaren? Uh if I was going to buy a McLaren, I'd get a 720. Okay. 720 is a, a lot of improvements, a lot of car for the money. Um, it's probably the best driving experience and the sexiest car and the best performing car you can get for the money. Okay. What do you see? Mo- like, why do McLarens have this reputation? Is it that stuff breaks? Is it build quality? Is it engineering? Is it electrical stuff, computer stuff? Like, what do you see and come into your shop on a regular basis? What What do you reverse engineering and fixing? Some of it is build quality. Um, you know, once we've gone through a car and, you know, found some mix-match hardware or something, you know, we've never seen anything, like, really catastrophic um, come out of it, but uh, they're known for uh, suspension accumulators. Like everyone's like, oh, the, the suspension accumulators, and it's like, sure, you know, the dealer charges a lot. They charge like nine thousand dollars to replace these accumulators on the suspension, and and they go bad after two to four years, depending. But if you, <laughs> that's pretty quick, right? But if you own if you own a car like that, and you know, I do it for like half that. So so every three, four years, you got to replace them. And, they, and they've actually made improvements to the accumulators. So mm-hmm. it's like the longevity is better. So it's like, is that going to deter you? Is a you know $5,000 thing every three, four years going to deter you from that car? Like, I guess I, it could. Well, I think it depends. Like it, it shouldn't necessarily on a $400,000 720S, but maybe on a pre-owned 650S that's less than 200K, then that kind of maintenance comes into play for sure. Yeah, I mean, kind of is what it is. They've improved the part. So, you know, we're seeing them last quite a bit longer. So good. So, yeah, they're known for that. And uh, coolant, uh, probably their biggest problem is the coolant hose clamps. They, they've got these like one, they, they put them on and they're kind of like tension based and over time they just like loosen up. So McLarens are known to like leak coolant. So we just replace mm-hmm. the clamps and then it's not. I, I want to gri- give McLaren crap for that, but Porsche is notorious for the same thing. They use glue to keep the rubber hoses on the metal pipes for the cooling system for Porsches. Right. Porsches that go on track a lot. And then you can spill coolant and coolant is slippery and you cause all these wrecks. And I'm like, really, really, guys? And the glue just fails after like five to ten years yeah. out of the blue. So, yeah, well, you know, they're, they're, and like, they're a major company. They should know better. McLaren, yeah. I guess, gets a pass. I'm on a little that. I'm a little surprised by Porsche because I, I hold them in very high regard um, for most things. And that that's a little surprising to hear. But, uh, yeah, you know, McLaren. It, any British car's got electrical problems, right? Yeah. And McLaren's no different. Um, there's a lot of, you'll get a lot of fault codes, just like rant, the car will just like freak out randomly. But if you like put the car to sleep, it's not going to leave you stranded. It'll do some annoying, quirky things, but it's not going to like, you're not going to be broken down on the side of the road. You know, it's just, you got to like shut the car off, put it to sleep for a second, let it <laughs> regain its composure. I feel like that's what we have to do with people too. Right. right maybe so. <laughs> 
I mean, not put them to sleep, but you know, <laughs> reset. <laughs> Calm down. It's getting dark. Uh, <laughs> just anyway. So, so you sold out of of AMS, and, and you kind of saw the writing on the wall. And this is one of the things I want to touch on because this is starting to affect us as dealers as well, and I think it will more and more in the future. But. Um, one of the big topics in automotive spheres is, uh, you know, zero emissions cars, quote unquote, uh, EVs versus gasoline powered cars. And so people are looking to the federal government um, to, to, to mandate these things for new cars. But I think something that people are not paying attention to is what the EPA is doing behind the scenes. And even when I've brought this up, people say like, oh, well, my state doesn't have e-checks. I'm like, that doesn't matter. The EPA is a federal agency and they are essentially all powerful. And they are shutting down car enthusiasts in any number of ways. Can you talk about how you saw the writing on the wall, kind of what they're doing and how that's affecting tuning companies and, and car enthusiasts by, you know, extension. Yeah. Well, yes. I, I mean, I saw the writing on the wall, geez, probably in 2008, nine, because, you know, we used to sell, you know, test pipes for people to, you know, delete their catalytic converter for the racetrack. And, you know, I, I heard, some people getting in some trouble. So like, I just took them off the website and I remember, you know, talking with my, my business partner about it and he's like, man, we're going to like lose sales. I'm like, well, I mean, you know, why advertise this so blatantly that's, you know, we don't want to, we don't want it to be in the spotlight for, for this kind of stuff. It's just best not, you know, best to comply, honestly. And my big thing is being in the performance industry, it is, I equate it to having like a really hot girlfriend. It like it looks really great and you know, it's it's great to talk about, but man, it consumes your life. And it's like two jobs in one. Like you can never do anything else. If if you've got a big automotive performance company, like that's all you can do because it's like trying to keep this thing on the rails. You've got, you know, customers that maybe had different expectations and then they're blasting you on forums or or you know, Facebook or Google reviews, you know, um, it's, it's a lot, man. And it was between that and the, you know, potential EPA step back in 2015 to start to get really dicey. And I think Trump getting in sort of set things back a little bit. Like it, the, the heat kind of was turned off for four years on, on the whole performance thing. So I think that kind of extended things, but they're, they're back with a vengeance and, if not, none of these companies are really complying, I guess you could say, mm -hmm. or even trying to comply. Like I know AMS is that they're, uh, you know, they have an emissions dyno now and they're, you know, looking to do carb tunes and, and they've already done carb approval on a lot of their parts. What now. is carb approval for the, you know, most people hear carb and they think of carburetors, but California air something it's, it's, it's basically air resources board. I yeah, think it it is. Is. yeah. It's, yes. I don't. Yeah. At least with emissions as goes California, so goes the rest of the automotive world in some sense, because these tuning companies and others have to create products that can be sold to California because they're a major, major part of the automotive uh, buying demographic. Right. And and I heard that Colorado is has either mm -hmm. adopted their stuff 
or is going to. I think so, Connecticut has as well. Yeah, so I, I think that one, you know, you get a couple states to fall, like they're all going to kind of go that way. So, yeah, my big thing was having all my eggs in that basket. You know, I there was no time to do anything, and it was kind of like good timing to get out. Um, and so I did, you know, and, and it would, that was hard because like my whole identity was wrapped up and like I was Arnie from AMS and that was really hard decision to make. But, you know, I just, you know, sometimes you just see the writing on the wall and of course I've gotten back into, um, the automotive game. I do, you know, I, I do mostly repair maintenance. I do, I've rebuilt McLaren engines, but I don't, you know, I'm not producing, you know, performance parts right. for them. And I honestly, I really don't You're want more to. producing uh, parts to fix weak points yeah, uh, so out of the re-engineering uh, re factory design yeah. weak points. I, I'm staying away from any exhaust, you know, tuning type of, I, I don't want to get involved. Sure. In, in doing that myself. So yeah. uh, I'm staying away from that and... Uh, I also got, I have a CNC machine shop. We do firearm parts and military drone parts and stuff. Like that's the main thing. But you know, Cannonball is really just or Cannonball Garage is just basically my outlet to be you know still in the automotive thing because that was hard to like leave. Like that's like if you're in it, like that's your life. Yeah. You know, so it's hard to leave completely. So <laughs> I I haven't left completely. It sucked me back in. <laughs> yes. Um, so what have you seen? You talked to me a little bit about what you've seen in terms of fines and scrutiny that, that tuning companies and, and not necessarily AMS, but just tuning companies in general have, uh, experienced in the last few years. Well, the diesel industry's taken the hardest hit from what I've seen. And honestly, I think they're the ones that kind of brought it on, uh, not necessarily the, the companies themselves, but, you know, people rolling coal on, on Priuses and stuff, I, you know, it, I think they really agitated the environmentalists sure. with that kind of stuff. And I think that's what kind of brought the heat on everybody. Um, so naturally, they got hit the hardest. And, you know, I before it was like, you delete EGR stuff. Like, you can't even get those parts anymore and ebay has shut down selling performance yep. parts even like you, even you stuff can't use a you can't sell a used like a, a cob tuner yeah. or a, anything like that on ebay yeah i can't sell a used set of factory cats for a ferrari this was a number of years ago they are factory catalytic converters and ebay says nope you can't sell them unless you have them recertified by the epa and i'm going these are these are factory stuff. This is like right. I'm trying to help somebody become emissions compliant. No, 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 no. Got to have it certified. Yeah. No. And, they, you what know, the they're heck? and the EPA is like calling places also and, you know, trying to get them to, you know, d delete, you know, will you delete my catalytic converters? And like they're, they're actually calling and like getting people. Right. You know, to uh, right. admit guilt and everything else. I mean, it's. It's tricky, man. I'm I'm scared for the industry, yeah. even though I'm like sort of on the outskirts of it, and it really doesn't matter all that much to me personally. Like, it kills me because this is like, this is my life, like cars and modifying cars, and yeah, yeah. I mean, the the stuff that's going on in California is just asinine. But I, I mean, even in Ohio, um, the rules here for dealers are pretty strict. Um, so we can't obviously we can't modify anything to become non-emissions compliant duh uh, not that we would as a dealer but you know we buy cars often that have been modified in some way and they're perfectly legal in some jurisdictions but 
the rule for Ohio is that a dealer not only cannot knowingly sell a car that is non-emissions compliant or has had, you know, emissions modified. And of course, their description is incredibly vague, right? It's not just like non-emissions compliant, but any sort of modification that could affect emissions. It's like, what, what does that even mean? But you can't buy it. So if a customer wants to trade a car in, they say, well, you can't buy it because that is a transaction and that's illegal. So you can offer to fix it for the customer prior to them selling it to you, but you can't buy it. And I'm like, to me, that's where the law becomes really stupid because I'm like, let's say the dealer goes, okay, your car is not emissions compliant. We're going to take it in on trade and we're going to make it emissions compliant because we have to in order to sell it. And we're going to do that as, as part of our recon process. I would think the EPA would go, oh, yeah, great. We're going to regulate the dealers and make sure they turn these non-emission compliant cars into compliant cars. But no, they say you can't legally buy it if it's not emissions compliant. You have to force the customer to fix it first. I'm like, come on, guys. It's this is really over the top. Right. But like it's a federal agency. They got they got power to do this stuff. Right. Like, I mean, it's crazy. We, all, we all know that, you know, the small amount of people that are, mod- you know, that would be modifying their cars. Uh, pales in comparison to cruise ships, industry, and everything else. But they have yes. the money. You know, it's like, I mean, it's a federal. It, they need to go after something. They yep. got to be doing something. Like, that's their job to do something. And it's just the uh, the focus has been turned on this small niche thing. And there's a lot of mom and pop shops and, yep. and people that are negatively impacted by this. And, you know, it's their livelihoods. A lot of these people, like me, like it was my whole life. You know, it's hard to shift gears. You know, not everyone can just shift gears. Thankfully, right. I already had a CNC machine shop going, um, yeah. sort of on the side. You know, I was able to step in and do that. And but that's, that's yeah. gonna be yeah, tough I mean, for a it lot is it is really ridiculous to 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 target the 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 enthusiast because you know I've all, all my cars pass e check, but like let's just say I had one that had been modified to be not emissions compliant. You know. I, I've got six cars. So I drive that. If I had one, I would drive that one like 2000 miles a year. That doesn't make one friggin' dent. That's like three cow farts, you know, (laughs) and like, right. It doesn't make a difference, but they're targeting the, yeah. Uh, mm. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Tyler commercial break. (laughs) Yes, SwitchCast is brought to you by Celebrity Machines. Celebrity Machines uh, offers more than 250 different screen-accurate license plates as they've appeared in movies and TV shows, such as Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, and so many more. Celebrity Machines also makes our dealer insert plates, as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. Visit CelebrityMachines.com for more info and use promo code SWITCHCAST to save 25.39% at checkout. When the hat is on, I don't know where Doug went, but the Corvette curmudgeon is here. Uh, Arnie, I'm not sure if you've met this gentleman before, but we're going to ask him what might be a spicy question, um, or at least his response, maybe. Hi, Arn. Um, well, first, I guess, Corvette curmudgeon, how do you feel about this curmudgeon blue uh, C7 Corvette that's sitting here in Doug Tabbitt's showroom? <laughs> oh, it's a real pretty one. Yeah. yeah it's a, I it's, think it's, it's pretty rare, car. too. It's it's, uh, it's seven-speed manual, and it's uh, it's Le Mans blue because uh, it's, you know, Le Mans is a race. 
where they uh-huh, race uh-huh. some Corvettes sometime. And I, I, the, once the or Cor- twice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Corvettes run the GT2 class, and they won their class once. I, I don't think there's any other cars in it. But, yeah, they got first <laughs> and second in the GT2 class. And uh, it's got the 2LT package and a Z51 handling package. And uh, it's pr- pretty pretty racy. I, I don't need all them them fancy things, you know, but it's it's a good car. Yeah, it's pretty rare. And, uh, well, it definitely looks like it. I wanted to know, uh, since we've got Arnie here, uh, who you may or may not know participated in an event uh, called the Cannonball, uh, how do you feel about the Cannonball and just driving that fast in general? Oh, Cannonball Run. Yeah, yeah. I remember that movie back in, back in uh, oh, man, Farrah. Farrah Fawcett. Oh, man, she was a pretty girl. I, yeah. I don't know if that was <laughs> yeah. the point of that. That's not exactly what I'm asking yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, it was Dean Martin and that Ferrari 308. Farrah Fawcett. Oh, man, she was so pretty girl. But they don't were, tell my wife. Right? <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. Yeah. Uh, did you know that it's it's an event that still happens? You know. Where, where, what are you talking about? It was a movie back in the eighties. Farrah Fawcett and so sometimes people will go to a place called the Red Ball Garage in New York City and drive to the Portofino Hotel. Red in Bull LA. Garage. That them energy no, drinks. No, 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 no. Kids drink. You know the name doesn't matter. It is a garage in New York City, and okay. they drive as fast as they can to a hotel in California to see how fast they can cross the country. Okay, they do it with a Corvette club. I, you know, I think maybe a Corvette they or two. They stop for dry, lunch at Cracker Barrel, and I think there have, is no they stopping. Have board meetings <laughs> along the way. Not, no, that does not happen. No. Okay. They go so really they, fast. They drive the speed allegedly. limit, right? Uh, well, sometimes they might go over it a bit. Allegedly. Why would they do that? Because the whole point is to go as fast as you can. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, did, did you now hear watch racing I, on TV? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't. I don't know if you heard the ad. I did a little bit of like a commercial while you were uh, entering the studio here for us. Uh, you know, my 20, uncle was a police uh, officer. I think he'd have a problem with that. Probably. I gotta ask him I what mean, he thinks about that. You know what? You do that, and you get back to us, and uh, we'll be curious. So you've never driven your car very fast, is what I'm taking. No, no, no. Okay. No, never got out of fourth gear. <laughs> wow, that is so depressing. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you very much to the Corvette Commodian yeah, for Farrah, joining us Farrah again Farrah this week. She was, she was a good-looking girl. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to have to get producer Ethan to get that hat off of you. <laughs> Uh, the Corvette Carmudge is brought to you unwittingly by the Corvette Buy Sell Trade Group on Facebook, <laughs> your source for cranky boomers, overpriced Corvettes, and reinforced stereotypes. <laughs> have you posted this on the Corvette Buy Sell Trade Group? Yes, I have. I actually got quite a bit of interest. I got no of laughs. Of course you did. I got no laughs, and I got all, yeah, I got I got some interest. Actually, the, the wall of shame <laughs> was somebody inquiring about that car. Oh, really? <laughs> Yes, Corvette people can't help themselves, <laughs> but that's coming up later. <laughs> Is that a public group? Can I get to it? The Wall of Shame or the Corvette no, Bicell trade, trade Group? I think so. I think you just have to answer a question about how rare Corvettes are or something like that. <laughs> I didn't sign so, up for this. <laughs> <laughs> you love C4s. You own a C4. I do, I do. Is it rare? Oh, very rare. It's got the Doug Nash 4 plus 3 yes. manual it's, transmission it's of, with it's overdrive. One, it's one of only 95,000 produced <laughs> <laughs> in 1984. I did ask a chat GPT a couple weeks ago what the best Corvette is for a Corvette curmudgeon because I got it to define what a Corvette curmudgeon was, and it was spot on. And it said a C4 because it's financially practical. Yeah, it's not I, expensive. I would say that's, that's correct. <laughs> Go chat GPT. 
Okay. So <laughs> speaking of Cannonball, let's talk about rental cars. <laughs> so, uh, Arnie and I um, were hanging out with a, a NASCAR driver today, and the topic of rental cars came up and what real racing drivers do with rental cars. Um, I think it was really more their, their teams. Their teams, yes. Um, I think people are generally scared to buy rental cars because they think that's everybody. Oh, they I think be. most people actually take very good care of rental cars. It's just a few car guys and racers, whatever. Oh, but my goodness. you guys used to go drag racing with AMS. <laughs> Tell me about what you did uh, with the rental not cars. Them, uh, do you know, them. I honestly, I I don't like destruction, <laughs> and I never understand these people that just like, jam the cars in reverse and do all this. It's like J turns. I don't know. I, I just don't like destroying stuff. My it's, guys, it's, it's my not guys, intentional. However, it's a byproduct of fun. Oh yeah. Oh geez. <laughs> yes. No. The things have been done. I remember one one year. Texas 2K burnout contest. We had we had rented um, two Impalas, and they decided to enter it in the burnout contest. So they took the spare tire out of each one, <laughs> put it on the front, <laughs> unbolted the exhaust, and entered the burnout contest. But the problem is, is they blew both the spares. You threw them back in the car, and no one was the wiser. But um, that was just one thing, and then we then we also had we used to do a lot Texas of Texas 2K for the non car people. Oh, big is, big is drag racing, huge events. drag race yeah, with it's, like thousand plus horsepower cars. Well, yeah. Right? Well, now it's like don't even show up if you don't have like two thousand or twenty five hundred. Right. But yeah, back so, then. So you're partying with the rental cars amongst amongst. Yeah, that, no, it's know. it's a big event, a lot of shenanigans. <laughs> but I I think the worst one was we we actually had this uh, rental car nitrous kit. <laughs> That we would we would bring to all the races, and it was it was in a duffel bag, and it was basically just a nitrous bottle. I take it you didn't fly there. No, no. They, you know, we usually sent that with the rig, and then the people, who, you know, obviously people fly. Some people go with the rig, but yeah, we had this rental car nitrous kit, and it actually had like a plug that you like plugged in the cigarette lighter, and and you just run the hose into the intake. And one year it was a uh, a Dodge Caravan. And normally you think you go to this race and you should be focusing on your race car. Well, they couldn't because they had blown the plastic intake manifold clear off of this Dodge Caravan. So they were busy um, going to junkyards and trying to find a replacement and wrenching on the rental car so they'd be able to drive it to the hotel and return the thing. And, and you know, every time I hear this, I just shake my head. I mean, you guys are nuts. Like, why do you got to destroy everything? <laughs> They're rental cars, and yeah, this is I don't you know this is this is dating back to my days. I don't know what they're doing these days, but uh, you know I they weren't the only ones. Let's yeah. just put it that way. You know, drive you'd be driving through the pits and they like make eye contact with you, throw it in park, and like the parking pod be like, <laughs> and they just be looking at you like a gangster, like that's right. <laughs> you know, I'm just like yeah, it's it's the teams. It's not it's not the drivers. It's these freaking teams. <sighs> Yeah, I would never buy a rental car. I think it's the driver's and I And I also don't beat on rental cars. I just I wouldn't buy a rental car that was rented in a region where there's a, a racetrack nearby. Oh, that would be bad. Or a beach. Yes. Yeah, that, yeah, that too. <laughs> We've done some things with a rental car on a beach. But, uh, we, <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, so speaking of hanging out with a NASCAR driver, what were we doing today? We're hanging out with a NASCAR driver? Right, but why? 
This is this is this is very big. Are 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 we allowed to talk about this? Yeah. Should we talk about it? So there's there's a thing in the works. A thing. There's Arnie a and thing. I did a thing called the Cannonball Record a, a while ago, and uh, there's a documentary in the works for reals. And uh, we're up there with the production team, uh, meeting with some potential sponsors and collaborators, uh, one of whom was a, a, a NASCAR driver, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it was I really got to cool. Race some go karts and smoked him, but I, I had the faster cart, so it <laughs> wasn't really fair. You're supposed to leave that part out, Doug. Well, you know, if I had the slower car, I would be making the same excuses. I'd be like, ah, oh, it wasn't fair. I had, the, I had the slower car. These cart, these rental carts are, it's, they're not all calibrated the same. The limiter is. <laughs> So, <laughs> the restrictor plate? He was gracious. He did not complain at all. He no, was just like, he man, really was. do you have any grip on yours? Can yours turn? I'm like, yeah, mine turns fine. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Anyway, so that was a lot of fun. So uh, talk to us a little bit about the documentary. Um, it's a documentary about our cannonball run. Yeah. And uh, about can cannonball completely like, yes that's you know there's been a couple documentaries which were really good and, and you know that we all loved there's not been a documentary that covers it from 1903 when the the first known i, I guess record was set mm -hmm. um kind of setting the stage for cannonball baker who you know did, did his records and then obviously the cannonball run when it became a race and then when it went underground, and then Alex Roy, Ed Bullion, and then us, it kind of will take the viewer through the whole thing. And, you know, it's going to be, we're hoping, the best cannonball documentary that's ever been made and yeah. something that, you know, your your I, wife would be interested in. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the, the, the production team who's, who's here with us tonight, we're happy to have them here, I, I think they are not only trying to make it the best cannonball documentary ever made because... I don't think, with all due respect to Alex Roy and Corey Wells and Haggerty and the people who have done things so far, there's not a super high bar to make a, a really excellent Cannonball documentary. Well, the, the funding has really never been there, I think, is, you know, true. The, the one, one of the major problems. And, um, and it's also not maybe been done. Well, Haggerty was done by a, a professional team. Um, but that was primarily about the Cannonball Run Countach, not about Cannonball itself. Right. But I think they want to make it on a high enough level that it is regarded as one of the best documentaries, period. I, I mean, I get that from them. The, the yeah. excitement is infectious in, in terms of their vision for what this is going to be. No, yeah, no, it's uh, – I, I had a, a very uh, – small understanding of what it was you know i had a, a bit of a picture but today after talking to these guys today like this is this is really very very much larger than i expected yep yeah so this is not a pie in the sky thing this is uh, sh uh, targeting to be released i'd say within a year is that accurate um maybe sooner uh, I know everything takes longer and costs more than we expect, but um, these guys, it's not their first rodeo and documentary, so this this should be a pretty exciting project. Speaking of Cannonball, moving on, we had Chris Allen on the podcast uh, a couple weeks ago who broke our record in 2020 at the height of the COVID shutdown frenzy. The Golden Weekend. The Golden Weekend. And there was a lot of debate when that happened about whether or not there should be an asterisk, whether or not this should count, yada, yada, yada. Was it fair? 
Um, and even since then, right? And anything that gets covered on social media about any Cannonball record, even ours, is, well, they did it during COVID, so it doesn't count. And that's just the narrative now. So what are your thoughts on Chris's record? What, what was your reaction when, when he beat our record? Well, I, boy, I remember that was, uh, that was tough because 12 hours before the record got broken, my E63, you know, our cannonball record car, uh, got hit by a semi truck and went sailing down I 80 by itself. Um, and 12 hours later, obviously our, our record was broken by this random team that we had no idea who they were. Um, but I always go back to, there's one rule. There are no rules. Um, I know that some people in the community, and this is early COVID, we didn't really know what it really was. I remember seeing uh, stuff on TV where people in China were like just dropping dead on the streets. Um, obviously, it, I never saw that anywhere afterwards. So um, I, I, you know, people ask me like, oh, well, that doesn't count. And I'm like, it, it counts. Like, is I'm and if I say it counts, it should really count because I, you know, you and I had the most to lose from that. Right. And yeah, the first thing I said is there's one rule. There are no rules, you know, and if, if there was a zombie apocalypse and there was just nobody on the roads and someone did it in 20 hours, like that's the record. They, you know, as long as they drove the car from the red ball to the Portofino and kept the wheels on the ground, like that's, you know, that's what it is. So, yeah. Yeah. We just had to go throw a car back together and right. give it a shot. We couldn't. We couldn't lose it that way. And no, let it be lost. no, that was yeah. yeah. That that was the toughest thing for me. I think was like I, I was willing to be a gracious loser, but at the same time, I couldn't let it go after what we had fought for, kind of quote unquote that easily. Like right. with that advantage in mind, I wanted to do it with the same handicap and go. Okay, well, what can we also do? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we had to see what was possible and whatever the outcome is. And I, man, I remember we were, I don't know where we were driving. We're probably in Nebraska or something. I remember looking over at you and saying like, if, even if we don't get this record back, like we're experiencing roads that we will never see in our lifetime ever again. And that was, that was worth just doing in general, because, you know, I'm, we're never going to get a chance to do something, like to drive so fast with no one impeding us at all. Right. I just wish we had our Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th I think we could have done it a lot faster, a lot faster. All right, we're going to go to commercial, and then we'll be back with the wall of shame, and we're going to get into some questions, because I know you guys have a lot of questions for Arnie. So take it away, Tyler. Yeah, SwitchCast is also brought to you by BoxCast. BoxCast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers around the world. Their founders launched BoxCast back in 2013 with one purpose, and that was to make people a part of the experience. If you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, BoxCast is an easy and flexible live streaming platform for organizations. BoxCast is so easy that we are broadcasting this entire show with a phone. So head on over to switchcars.com slash BoxCast for your free trial. A phone, albeit with lots of dongles. Just many dongles. Many. I am every week. I am constantly impressed by Ethan's dongle game. It's so. Good. <laughs> it's for the audio, though. It's for the That's, audio. It, yeah, it doesn't yeah, yeah. make it any less easy to do it with Boxcast. We just want to have 
nice pre-mixed professional quality audio for the live stream viewers. And that's so. the part that stresses Ethan. It stresses Ethan out the most, I think. He just yes. gets his uh, knickers all in a twist. Yeah. We're good audio. Well, uh, Ethan's getting all set up over there. I think I've got a quick one uh, from Jeremiah Johnson on YouTube. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. How do you stay seated in a car for 25 hours? Well, you can't stand up. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we do have a sunroof, but <laughs> just uh, doing the Titanic do the out Mr. of the Bean. <laughs> well, we do. We do get. I mean, that's why I like. I don't mind the added fuel stops. You know, four stops is good for me. We're able to get out and at least stretch our legs, take a leak, and switch drivers. So. I mean, technically, we're really in in a seated position for five or six hours at a time with one-minute intervals of not being seated. Four minutes. For a minute. Let's, let's <laughs> not overstate our efficiency at the gas pump. <laughs> is there, like, a recovery period from sitting for that long, or is it just kind of whatever? I haven't noticed it. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. As I get older, I, I maybe eventually that'll be a thing. <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, best best comment by far to come in on TikTok was what is this the VinWiki Dropouts podcast? <laughs> oh, that's good. Painful, but that's it's, good. That hurts. That hurts. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure I have more views on VinWiki than anybody except Ed, fifty million and counting. So, yeah, sorry. S stick it to him, Doug. Dropouts. Yeah. Um, oh, I forgot the wall of shame because that's actually supposed to follow the commercial break. So, of course, we have to get to the wall of shame, which is, you know, the reverse review. Customers can leave reviews for dealers that they don't particularly like, even if it's just as simple as an interaction. And this guy might leave us a review, but uh, this is our chance to reverse review and make fun of customers. Of course, never sharing their personal information because that's illegal. But uh, somebody inquired about said Corvette that we have in the showroom here and uh, selling Corvettes is always, man, it always brings out the, 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 the negotiators and, and uh, sometimes the cranky people. But somebody inquired and basically said, what dealership are you at? Um, I'd like to come schedule a test drive for the vehicle. Now, test drive might be normal if you work at a Toyota dealer, but in the high-end car business, it's kind of a red flag when the first thing out of their mouth is, I want a test drive, because a lot of these cars are just cars you don't buy with a test drive. You buy them because you know you want them. And, you know, we're not in the exotic car joyride business, even if it is just a Corvette. And so I just responded and I said, we don't do test drives on consignment vehicles, passing the buck a little bit, you know, because uh, unless we have a sales agreement and a deposit, and I said basically is a final condition of the sale, right? Fairly reasonable. There's some dealers that don't do test drives at all. And we just said, you know, you got to be coming to buy the car and we have to know that you're a serious buyer first. So then he responded, so basically you guys pull the credit, put hard inquiries on it to get to drive the car. And if there's anything wrong with it and you don't like it, you just put negative points on the credit. Yeah, that's well, that's right. the whole goal, right? Yo, that's the, that's the whole goal. We love just pulling people's credit. And I'm like, that is not what I said at all. But, you know, by saying that, you just communicated to me that you have crap credit and you wouldn't <laughs> be approved for the car in the first place. So that's why we have that rule, because we don't want you test driving the car and then being like, oh, yeah, I got 400 Beacon. Yeah, OK, see you later. Anyway, so back to the questions. 
Uh, got some from Bike King 19 on YouTube. Uh, two questions, but they're pretty related. Uh, what are some problem areas with the Southern route? Because I don't think you guys take that one very... For, have any like record-setting runs been the Southern one, or is it all yes. the Ed, Ed and Alex's really. record. And the Captain Chaos record. And Captain Southern Chaos, route. yeah. Yep. And most of the 70s Cannonball runs were Southern route. Yeah. Uh, pretty much all of them. That Some of them had a hybrid, but... Um, it comes down to a combination of construction and weather. They're both fine routes. They have advantages and disadvantages, but we're looking at um, kind of variables that can't, you know, we can't get around. So sometimes we'll, the weather will be really good on one route and really bad on another, or, you know, like Arizona might have half the state under construction. And so we're thinking, okay, well, that's like an hour potential delay. Um, so it, it's those types of things that we're evaluating. So when I do the route plan, I'm planning out a full, uh, schedule for both routes simultaneously. I'm lining up scouts. I'm checking the weather. I'm doing spreadsheets. I'm planning out timing. I'm looking at construction. And for our 27, 25 record, we made the decision when we were in New York, essentially within 24 hours the weather changed and we said we're going north. Now that was our preference, but the weather had dictated that we should go south. So that was a game time decision. Um, but I think in general, we prefer the northern route because there's less cities to go through. And so it makes it a little bit easier to plan. But there's drawbacks too. And we're also, we also live up on off I 80. So we know, I, you know, I know I 80 way better than I do the southern route. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But the, you know, the Vail Pass is a huge drawback. Oh yeah. No, every route. time huge. It's, it's glorious until we get to the Vail Pass and then we get there. We're like, it's like, we should have gone yeah, south. Yeah, exactly. It's like, why did we take this Northern route again? Yep. Cause that slows you down quite a bit. Traffic and two lanes and well, it's a big winding. variable too. Yeah. Cause the Vail Pass could, could shut be, down could at any closed. moment. Yeah. It, it, Northern route is dicey. Yeah. Yeah. It's worked out for us, but it has. All right. And the second part of uh, this person's question, how do you calculate what is the optimal time to leave the red ball? Magic. Spread spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> it really comes down to, I, I, like I think, well, this is more like Doug's wheelhouse. Um, I did a little bit of this on my own planning on the 2904 and the C2C Express before we met. So I, you know, I've got a, a fairly good idea, but that was more like your thing. But yeah, just your spreadsheet and just knowing kind of like what your average is going to be and when you're going to hit each city. But, you know, I think for a first timer, it'd be pretty hard to know any of that. Yeah. Yeah. You have to somewhat experience it in order to plan those things. Um, there's some things you can glean from Google and traffic algorithms and stuff, but a lot of it's boots on the ground knowledge. And like, we even got that wrong really wrong on the 2539 run because we didn't factor and none of our scouts even factored in for the crazy vacation traffic weekend traffic returning from utah to california oh, on a sunday afternoon i yeah, mean that, all that the research like... i did all the people i called nobody was like oh hey yeah you you should watch out for this you know, oh, it's, that it's, was a mess. And Google won't tell you that because Google's only concerned with traffic jams, right? They're not concerned with a bunch of people going 70 miles an hour. Yeah, we <laughs> are. <laughs> we are. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. A lot of spreadsheets and a lot of 
lot of things learned and a lot of information gleaned from as many people as possible. TikTok's got a number of few uh, fairly unrelated questions here, starting with, what's an 08 Silverado single cab long bed V8 worth to you? 10 grand. Next question. Arnie? <laughs> Is it rusty? <laughs> <laughs> then zero. If it's not a van, I'm not interested. So, yeah, that's one of the questions. How's the new van, Arnie? Oh, man. What is the new van? I, I don't know which van they're thinking about. <laughs> it's got so many. Which van? Uh, it could be my Vandit trans van. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I turned I turned a Honda Odyssey into a uh, tribute to the Smokey and the Bandit Trans Am, and it's called the Vandit. Not That's the fantastic. trans van. No, it's not. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, no, you it could, is pretty you, fantastic. It gets, you could it haul Bud Light instead of Coors. <laughs> All right. No, so I put a I put a bird on the hood. Listen, I got, I got if we're gonna get canceled, uh -huh. we're gonna get just shut down. Not just a warning. Yep, that's true. <laughs> There's gonna be a meeting tomorrow about this. Yeah. I can see it in Ethan's face. This is entertain. This is an entertainment. So another show. question we got was, what are your current daily drivers, and what's a fun car that each of you have? Implying that there's only one fun car that each of you have, but. My daily driver is a fun car because life is too short to have a lame daily driver. What did you put snow tires on last uh, year? Porsche 997. There you go. <laughs> Tyler's right up there. Your daily drivers are? Yeah, I've got a 996 and a 968 until it gets salty up here. And then I drive a stick Volvo wagon. Which so. is still cool. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And Arnie? Arnie's got something. I... Good. I can't drive anything nice in the winter, so I always have a sacrificial vehicle. <laughs> so um, when my dad died, he had an 06 Mercury Milan, and my dad was a dork. He, uh, his name was Mylan, so he had to have a Mercury Milan when that, that came out. Oh, that's and, great. Uh, so um, I, that's, I drive his car. Uh, that's, my, that's my beater because, you know, can't let it go. My mom doesn't want to let it go, and I understand. So... I drive that in the winter, or Milk Jug, which is uh, our 03 Honda Odyssey with uh, over a quarter million miles that we use for our <laughs> shop van. It's white. I think and, I've ridden in that one. Yeah, no, it's, yep. it's a fine piece of machinery. <laughs> so, I, yeah, that's what I drive in the winter. And you, a fun car? Um, I think the most fun I'm having right now is the Vandit. Like, people just eat that thing Do up. Do you get it gets, stopped Oh yeah! And oh like, yeah! And and what's funny is like sometimes my wife drives it with the kids and like they get a kick out of it because just she'll be at the gas station and some you know Corvette curmudgeon <laughs> comes over. It's like wow, this is a pretty sweet man. <laughs> so the reactions are pretty funny to that thing. So that's fantastic. That's, that's honestly that's the that's most great. fun I'm having in a car right now is a Honda Odyssey. Does that have a six point six liter? <laughs> Do you, uh, do you guys want to hear the interaction I had with Chad GPT today about Cannonball? Sure. Yeah. So I asked, It's probably uh, more accurate than the general American understanding of uh, Cannonball. So I asked Chad GPT, not what it was, but what its opinions on the Cannonball were. Mm. And uh, it said, you know, it gave me the caveat as an AI language model. I don't have personal opinions, all that. 
Uh, then it gave me it's some, you know, Siri all over again, more or less. Yeah. Um, but then it gave me, uh, you know, a little backstory, Irwin Cannonball Baker, 1933. And then it gives me another very long caveat. While the Cannonball Run was not legal, it gained popularity and media attention in the 1970s and 80s. However, due to safety concerns and increased law enforcement efforts, the race was eventually discontinued. It's worth noting that the Cannonball Run, run was dangerous and an illegal activity. It's not advisable to attempt. Safety should be a top priority. So then I asked if it knew who Doug Tabbitt and Arnie Toman were, naturally. And ChatGPT said, do they know Fred Ashmore? <laughs> and, and, no, Fred, Fred did not get name dropped here, for better or for worse, he did not. And then it said, uh, yeah, I'm familiar with uh, Tabbitt and Toman. It says uh, they drove, you know, in the uh, modified uh, Mercedes-Benz E63 AMG. It was 2015. They took the record in 2019 and all that. And then it gives me, and then after all that, it says, it's worth knowing that the Cannibal Run is an illegal activity. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking records like this is not only dangerous, but highly discouraged. That was my run I disagree with the dangerous part, but okay. It did the same kind of thing when I was getting it to try to be mean to Corvette curmudgeons. It was like, no, 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 you should respect everybody's interests and be fine. I was like, no, 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 tell me a joke. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I thought that was good. It just it couldn't it couldn't mention anything about Cannonball without saying how dangerous and how you shouldn't attempt it and unadvisable it is. But right, thought you'd appreciate that. <laughs> Maybe you did not. I, I mean, <laughs> we give the same caveat. Honestly, we give the yeah. same caveat to everybody who asks about it. We say, don't do it. Don't do it. It's stupid. It's sure. dangerous, et cetera, et cetera. Not everyone should attempt it. Sure. Right. I mean, we kind of say nobody should. And if you get through all of that and you understand what the real point of Cannonball is, then, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you. Like it's for, for each of you individually, what is the real point of Cannonball? Uh, well, for me, it's uh, I like the outlaw nature of it, and I I have a problem with authority. Um, so it's Crook kind County. of yes, exactly. So it's kind of uh, it's kind of a protest against uh, you know government overreach and telling me what I can and can't do, and also you know to prove that the speed limits are ridiculous. Speed limits these days. I've said it before. I said it the last time we we're here. I mean, speed limit right now on most interstates is the same that it was 50 years ago. You know, people are driving around in 55 Chevys, you know, with no seatbelts on a bench seat going 70 miles an hour. Like you're telling me that we haven't come, you know, a little farther with car technology in the past 60, sure. 70 years. I mean, you could drive any car, I think, made today at 100 miles an hour safely. Yeah, at least in relative safety to... <laughs> to that comparison. I mean, have you tried to drive the speed limit? I mean, it's terrible. No, it's I, like, ha no it's, I haven't. <laughs> it's it's like impossible. Like, how do you drive the speed limit? Like, I, it's it's mind numbing. Like, I daydream. I'll fall asleep. Yeah, I I, jo I don't joke. I I have a mild case of narcolepsy, and so I will. Um, that is the thing. Falling asleep, right? I think it's so. not the stealing things. I don't anyway. Um, no, that's a kleptomaniac. Thank you. Um, so I can't drive the speed limit cause I'll fall asleep. So if I'm driving faster and actually like paying attention going, okay, I have to watch out for this, watch out for that and pay attention. It'll help keep me awake. But uh, I don't know. I've never tried that excuse with the cop, but it, it is legitimately true. Um, but so like in the, I feel like there's three eras of cannonball. 
One was the first 30 years of Cannonball where they were basically proving the legitimacy of the automobile and whether or not it could make it across country and, and proving the need for interstate highways. And then you had the protest against the 55 mile an hour speed limit and government overreach in the 70s when, when Brock Gates did the, the, the Cannonball run. Um, but I think I've, I've danced around this to find out like what my real point of Cannonball is. And um, my protest is not necessarily against speed limits because I agree with speed limits for the average person because they suck at driving. Um, but it, it's against the entire notion that slow is safe. Um, and, and that's just not true. Like slow isn't safe. Skilled driving is safe. And skilled has, you know, a, a, a wide open, like it's an open ceiling, right? Um, because driving is a skill that is perishable and it's one that you're always learning. Um, I am not to the level of skill that I want to be. I'm continually improving. Um, but in general, focused, purposeful, purposeful drivers with proper training are safe at nearly any speed and, and far, far safer than the average person who's just out there driving, thinking that they're okay because they've never encountered a situation that has tested their skills. Um, and, and I think only after people have all that proper, proper training is speeding actually safe, right? Like the notion that speed kills is true because if you add speed to a lack of training and a lack of awareness, then it's going to be a recipe for disaster. But if you put proper training uh, into the populace like Europe has and especially Germany, and then once people are trained, allow them to speed, I think that's the ultimate solution is you have responsible, trained, attentive drivers that don't have restrictions on them. And I think that's like what I'm about in terms of cannonball. That's good. So once someone understands that in conjunction with maybe the absurdity of speed limits, um, but isn't necessarily just out to do it for, for the clout, for the social status that comes with being the record holder or to just want to do it because they want that media attention or whatever, then that's when they go ahead and do it after being told a hundred times by a hundred people to not do it when they're like, no, but I, I have to do it. Like, you don't understand. I have to do this for you guys. Is there that desire that like, I have to do this for sure. I think everybody has a different motivation to doing it. Some people, it is just the clout or breaking record. And, and that was true for us too. Like <laughs> we always were a fan of cannonball. So we're yeah. like, we have to, we have to beat this. Right. No, I, I, I like, I always have to have a goal in mind and it's usually involving long distance or something that takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and cannonball just, it stuck with me from being a kid and it's something I had to do. And I was so like when Alex Roy broke the record, like I was just chomping at the bit, like is the book documentary, any like piece of information that I could get and read about, but there wasn't much there. You know, and that's when when I started doing Cannonball stuff, I started in 2015, I did the 2904. I said, I'm going to document this for the world to see. And I don't care. I, I wasn't doing it for the clout. I was doing it for 10 people or 100,000 people. I didn't care what it was, but 
I know that if there's anybody else out there like me that was like very interested in this idea, I wanted to share my experience of doing it. And it was supposed to be a one, one and done. And it just, my wife always <laughs> throws it in my face. She's like, I remember you said this is a once in a lifetime chance. And here we are. <laughs> a dozenth do in a lifetime. Yeah, and you do it every year. And now you do rallies. And <laughs> you know, it's, it, uh, it sort of uh, started a snowball effect in my so life. It was once in a lifetime. But now I think you're a cat because you must have nine lifetimes. <laughs> I do. I guess so. Do you guys feel like that spirit has been preserved like in the community? Like most of the, like we hang out with guys like Steve Brown or Nick Kruger or whoever, is that spirit of, I have to do this, I'm genuinely passionate about that, is that the prevailing kind of feeling within the Cannonball community today? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I encourage, you know, I encourage people that, you know, that I'm going to do it someday. I said, look, just go, like go rent a car, get your buddies, you know, do, you know, read the books prepare, but don't go with any sort of, you know, goal in mind, just go and do it. It's the ultimate road trip. You know, if, even if you do it in 40 hours, like in a Nissan Murano, it's yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You got to do it in a, a Murano cross cabriolet. <laughs> that's, that's how you're going to break a record, <laughs> but it's the ultimate experience in a car. Like it's the ultimate thing to do for for someone who loves cars if you did it in a nissan murano cross cab you could call it the cross country la (laughs) or not all jokes (laughs) must go that's right that's right no that's good though that's what i I know doug and i have talked before and that's been kind of your feeling about is just go just do it right yeah yeah Yeah, because there's a lot of talk and you're not going to set a record for like that's that's completely insane to think that you can go and break a record on your first attempt. You know, right. you, there's a lot to learn. Just go out and do it. Go do it with your buddies. There, uh, there was just a team that just did it. As, uh, that was their bachelor party. Yeah. And that was cool. That was really cool to see. They like did it in a Panther chassis. Well, cr- 35 hours or something like that. I mean, yeah, it was, it was a fast, respectable yeah. time. Right. It was less than 35. It was 34, 34 and change. Their yeah. goal was to beat Brock Yates' time. Yeah. And they did. And, that's, and that I mean, great. honestly, that's an admirable goal i mean it's a, something you could check off like i did a cannonball right. i went faster than all the guys in the 70s I, that's pretty cool i like yeah it. yeah cool so uh gonzo prius over in the youtube chat uh wants to know what happened to the diesel swapped honda insight from the musket ball <laughs> <laughs> well uh, we know doug doesn't you know doug doesn't keep stuff that he doesn't want um <laughs> <laughs> he was able to rid himself of that ultra beige um, and I still got it. Um, I, man, I had so much money invested in that thing. I just, I couldn't bear to get rid of this thing. So it's, it was not, it was never like a hundred percent finished. Like the, the back end of the car, um, is all like just open exposed metal. So my buddy, Sean, um, is doing the interior on it in the back to complete. He really loves the car. So I sent it down to Miami. He's using it as a daily driver right now. And he's going to be finishing the inside of the car because, I just feel that car was so cool and it needed to be like finished, you know, and I, so I'm, I'm finishing it. And then I don't know, I, I have this like fear that if I, I'm, I know, you know what, it's going to, it's definitely going to happen. If I sell that thing, all of a sudden Fakar is going to be like, we're doing another musket ball <laughs> and I'm going to have to build another damn car. So I'm like, I'm just going to keep this thing. I, it's, I do, I do enjoy it. It doesn't have air conditioning. That's like the biggest drawback of it. But I mean, I haven't I haven't tried to see what kind of fuel economy it got, but it got 
flat out across the state of Nebraska, I think we calculated got 33 miles per gallon, wide open, 121 miles an hour or whatever that thing would muster. <laughs> so that's pretty good. So I, I'm figuring this thing's got to get like 70 miles per gallon if you drive it like normal. And when we, you know what's funny is when we drove it, I had my, uh, I was supposed to drive it down with my buddy Stan to the DCT World Cup that we hold every year down in, in Tampa. Something came up last minute, so I had to send him on his own. But I'm like, fill up in Chicago and see if he can make it to Tampa. That's 1,450 miles. And he made it without stopping for fuel so the thing's getting the thing's getting over you know well over 50 miles per gallon and he averaged his his average was like 82 miles an hour so he was getting after it and it still made it on on one tank of fuel it's pretty cool overall average 82 Mm -hmm. that's i mean that's cannonballs back in the day yeah yeah now the thing gets down We, we we tuned it up though now like it's not on the 100 wheel horsepower tune anymore so now it's, I, I don't know what it makes, probably 170 or something wheel. Wow. So it's, it's quite it's, a bit it's faster. A, and actually a fun car now. Yes, it is. It actually like spins the tires and like, yeah, it's... it's <laughs> Torque steer. Yes. Oh yeah, no, very torquey. Awesome. Uh, well, we would be remiss if we didn't uh, bring you the shrewd negotiator brought to you by Vin Wiki, from which apparently we are dropouts. Um, don't know why. Arnie, how long has it been since you told the Vin Wiki story? Oh, it's been a while. Okay. Well, I'm a maybe you are yeah, a maybe they, He is probably coming. I'll be down me. there this weekend. So if you're missing stories, I'll be down there talking about, I don't know, Bud Light, I've got, I guess. I've got some stories. i got to get down there. But, uh, <laughs> yes. I've got, I, you I have mean, never I got ending stories. You no, know, I do. I, I have a lot of stories to tell, but uh, I have not as much time to tell them. So the uh, the shrewd negotiators is typically somebody who is one step uh, removed from the wall of shame, but they're they're trying to get there, and it's somebody either selling or buying a car, and they have an interesting negotiation tactic. So this one was a BMW Z3 Coupe, which is a very very rare car. Uh, I think actually more rare than the M Coupe, uh, but anyway, we had found one on marketplace, and we were trying to buy it. It's very, very difficult. They didn't want to, we were willing to pay asking price, but they didn't want to deal with anyone who wasn't local. And, you know, we're, we're concerned about selling it to a dealer because they didn't think that was safe or secure or whatever. I don't know. It was a very weird deal. And we did not end up getting the car despite our best efforts. But in their description, and it, it was a really cool spec, <clears throat> but in their description, they were very uh clear to describe how unique the spec was so let's go through it this is this is from their ad production stats total number with the m52 engine 1018 total number for 1999 model year 750 total number in cosmos black metallic 154 total number with walnut interior 122 total number in cosmos black metallic over walnut 17 total number in cosmos black metallic over walnut with fine wood extended trim four are we starting to sound like a corvette owner yet Total number God. in Cosmos Black Metallic over Walnut with a sunroof, 14. Total number in Cosmos Black Metallic over Walnut with fine wood extended trim with a sunroof, three. Uh, total number in Cosmos Black over Walnut with fine wood extended trim for 99 model year with a sunroof, three. Total number in Cosmos Black Metallic over Walnut with fine wood extended trim and five-speed manual transmission for 1999 model year with a sunroof, two. It was one of two. There it is. I'm going to use that fine wood extended trim to beat him over the head. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> anyway, wow. so yeah, there it's <laughs> guaranteed that comes with the plaque that they put up at their local cars and coffee. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh, auditioning for the Corvette Club there. All right, I do love Let- me a clown shoe though. <laughs> It is a is a, a good looking car. Um, said nobody ever. No, just kidding. Um, it's fun, fun to drive. They're they are, cool. They are interesting looking. <laughs> yes, Ferrari FF is like a bloated clown shoe. But yeah, <laughs> for a lot more money and less reliable. A um, couple more questions, and then we're going to wrap it up. Yeah, you guys may or may not have an answer at the ready for this, but. Uh, TikTok asks what your weirdest interaction with a fan was. Um, Arnie, you got that one? Because give me a second, I'll find mine. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't. I can't really think of anything weird that's happened. Do you get recognized in public? Not, not too often. I mean, honestly, I I made my big push was the car is the star to me mm-hmm. um, for mm-hmm. cannonball i i always focus on the car like that's my favorite part is building the car and figuring out the car and like to mm-hmm. me the car is the star so yeah. i you know i'm not i'm not out there i don't have a youtube channel you know i have instagram but i don't like post myself so i'm not out there that much no yeah, some people do oh uh, well, yeah no i've been obviously i'm podcasts and vinwiki and stuff but right. yeah i mean here and there i get recognized not not a ton locally quite a bit but you know if i'm out in the middle of virginia or something like not it's pretty rare unless i have the car with me (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's game on then uh mine has to be an email that i got a long time ago i'm gonna try to read this with a straight face it is very 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 difficult doug hey man i just wanted to give you a shout and say You have a really nice body, bro. Oh, no, this one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not some superficial D-bag, and though I can't really explain what provoked me to send this random message, it took some courage to do it. Yes, it did. (laughs) I saw you in a video, and it hit me that you're a really likable dude, said none of my fans ever, (laughs) and respectable businessman. And did I mention you have a nice body? Seriously, those arms... (laughs) I feel pretty ridiculous now, and as I've sat here debating whether to send this, I noticed the wall of shame. LOL, I hope you don't post this, man. (laughs) As strange as this message may seem to you, I'm completely sane. I'm a really private guy, and most have no idea I'm even down with dudes. Just know I'm the antithesis of the bitches and idiots on the wall of shame. You're amazing, man. And though I'm not being very respectful of your time, I'm glad I shared my thoughts. I don't know why I'm reading this in a Southern accent. (laughs) (laughs) You give the vibe of confidence, but I hope my message makes you feel good. He was nice. (laughs) Very nice. He was very kind. We did have somebody like two weeks ago complimenting your muscles in the YouTube chat. It could have been the same person. Which it couldn't have been because I haven't worked (laughs) out for like three years. Don't the message also got deleted. Bod. I thought Ethan went in there and like deleted that because it was inappropriate, but maybe YouTube got it. I don't let free Ethan speech. delete stuff, man. Free comments speech. are comments. It is, I believe in free speech. Uh, has any Cannonball team genuinely impressed you either with their time, strategy, or vehicle prep? Boston Brawlers, man. They are. Oh, yeah. Their, cars, their car prep's way better than ours. <laughs> <laughs> they, are next, they are next level, man. It's just luck is never on their side. It's yeah. It's a lot of luck. What, okay. Yes and no. I think 
they made a few key mistakes. You said their car prep. I, th- I think their their logistics prep is better than ours. But there's things I would disagree with, right? So when they did the S8 with a giant fuel okay. tank, I'm like, okay, that's not going to be great for handling. Like, you know, I'm talking about um, <clears throat> the installation. Sure. Uh, their computer system thing that they've got. Like just like the fit and finish of everything right. is like to the nines on right. other cars. Yes, no, the Audi S8 is not a good car. Yeah, and the M5. I mean, honestly, not M5 is not a arguably good car isn't, but they almost beat our time with it, so I can't yeah. really say anything. Right? No, it's not for, a car. For it's gas not a car. I would, I would. And they impressed me with that car. Yeah, like that car was not. I don't think the best choice. But. Yeah, but what they did with very little experience, like you and I had the benefit of of prepping cars before and knowing what we needed and what we didn't need. They were going into it blind and just going, oh, lots of fuel, big German sedan. And I'm like, eh, we'll see how that works for you. And man, for- Well, I for, think that was a good plan. <clears throat> well, their original plan with that S8 was to beat Ed's record. So to beat 2850, right. that was a fine proposition. Yes. Yeah. No, that I- their team is they should have had a record it's too bad yeah. that they didn't i'm gonna go to the props and flops uh to wrap things up for the recorded session then we'll do bonus round for the questions so the props and flops brought to you by switch cars all right and switch cars is the enthusiasts dealership where we buy sell consign service and store only cars that we like ourselves you can check out our hand-picked inventory at switchcars.com and our pick of the week from Switch Cars Inventory is... Not the Corvette. It's a 2008 Bentley Continental GT, which is Ooh. super clean. It's single-family owned and dealer-maintained, which if you've listened to our Buying Tips podcast this year, you realize means absolutely nothing. But it is super clean, and sometimes those things correlate. But uh, no, it, it has been maintained to a T, uh, open checkbook, essentially very, very clean, well cared for, owned by somebody that uh, knows and loves cars and knows how to care for them. It's a very nice specification, silver over red interior with with the Mulliner driving specification, massage seats, and some other nice options. It's got 26,000 miles and it is available for 55,000 on our website. So check that out. Well, that's a good deal. That's it a is. lot. That's a lot of car for the money. It is. It was one hundred ninety-two thousand dollars originally. Yeah, oh, appreciation I've, special. I've driven a couple of those. Like, aside from the fuel economy, like that would be a very comfortable cannonball car. Yes, if they got better gas mileage, that would be an awesome cannonball car. I think someone calculated it on Instagram that it was six dollars per mile in depreciation that the previous only, owner bought. Not service, <laughs> not yeah, gas. Only just, in depreciation. Yep. Uh, so our flop of the week. Oh, man, the, the Cleveland cars and coffee scene has been uh, trying to catch up to the rest of the world. <laughs> Most notably, Texas, I think, is famous for this. But uh, no Mustangs were harmed. But in the last week, a BMW M4, I think, three, sorry, M3 and a Mazda Miata both wrecked leaving cars and coffee. Yep, they tried to show off leaving and overcorrected and hit a tree and a pole. So, yeah, yeah. It was a fire hydrant, actually. Fire hydrant, sorry. <laughs> if if you can't finish it, don't start it, uh, right? So don't ruin it for everybody. Uh, if you're going to try to show off, do it with skill or just don't do it at all. Also, right, I, I can't, in all honesty, say that because I've left a lot of cars and coffees in smoky sideways, whatever. But like, I knew I could finish it, so whatever. Anyway, um, yeah, 
stop wrecking when you leave cars and coffee, please. Just just stop. Um, our prop of the week. I don't know why this is a prop, but it just it, it just is because it's awesome. So I pulled this from the Dealership Life Facebook group, which is an incredible source of information. Uh, a customer came in to a dealer, wanted to trade in a 2019 Kia Sedona that was on a lease with a 12,000 mile per year allowance but it had 234,000 miles, which means that this three-year-old, sorry, four-year-old Kia uh, that cost $30,000 new had an over-mileage charge of $50,000. Like, how do you do that? Like, how do you think that's going to end? <laughs> I mean, at that point, you just buy it out, right? Like, it's way cheaper. Yeah, right. Like, oh my what's gosh. my residual? 10 grand? Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> I will take it. Oh, anyway, thank you, Arnie, for coming out and uh, co hosting here. No problem. And uh, <laughs> co being a victim, I guess. Uh, thank you to our sponsors Boxcast, Nuts for Sticks, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, and Stephen Holm Woodworking, and our producer, Ethan Huffnagel, and our Ed McMahon over here, Tyler Sanders. Our bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream their full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available Monday in audio format wherever you listen into podcasts. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m. as we look forward to edifying, educating and entertaining you on the drive of your life.